0: This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show, and he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins.
1: It's the Jeremiah Show and Evolve Entertainment, featuring its radio with TV's Tim Stack, Mike Gormley presents Music Icons, The Arwen Lewis Show, and The Angel Baby Show. Welcome to The Jeremiah Show. This is a love letter to the Enterprise Fish Company. 1977 to 2019. The press release reads, to the Santa Barbara community. As many here in Santa Barbara know, my partners and I have closed the Enterprise Fish Company restaurant after 43 wonderful years. In the mid-1970s, Randy Lafaire and I graduated from UCSB and wanted to open a restaurant that grilled fresh seafood over charcoal with seating around an exhibition kitchen. We found the right site, at 225 State Street and a property built around 1925 with an iconic brick facade and smokestack. It was previously home to California's oldest laundry. We decided to call the restaurant Enterprise Fish Company to honor the legacy of that business. You see it was called Enterprise Laundry. When we started the restaurant in the August Of 1977 we and the staff we hired were mostly all in our 20s so there was a tremendous sense of camaraderie the energy of the staff was felt by the customers and the enterprise quickly became one of the top places to eat in Santa Barbara it was bright rustic comfortable and fun standing in the restaurant on a busy night and feeling that energy took my breath away what makes one business successful while others struggle for us, it was the people who worked there. They made the restaurant what it was, showing great spirit and pride until we had to close this year with a pandemic. I took my last walk around the Enterprise Fish Company a few days ago, and I thought about the last 43 years. The building is so full of memories. I would like to thank all of the thousands of people who have worked there over the decades, and I am tremendously grateful to the customers, both locals and tourists who came in night after night for our lobster special, for the happy hour, for birthday dinners, or just a regular meal with loved ones. We loved being part of the Santa Barbara community because it is a community that is grounded, giving, generous, and supportive. I knew that I wanted to find a way to stay in this beautiful city and eventually raise a family here. Thanks to the Enterprise Fish Company, I was able to do that and I will be forever grateful. A letter signed by co-owner, Michael Bank. Michael Bank's right. The Enterprise Fish Company was a special place. When I first moved back to Santa Barbara after graduating high school in Priest River, Idaho, I didn't really know anyone in town my age. My grandmother lived here in Santa Barbara, and Joey Peral lived here in Santa Barbara. Joey I idolized, I had since I was a young kid. So shortly after arriving, I went down to the Enterprise Fish Company to see Joey. He worked there as a manager. Rounding the corner of the parking lot, I was shocked to see that there were people lined up and down the block out front, just waiting for a table for a chance to get inside. Well, I pushed my way through the crowd and inside, and I was immediately hit with the sweet, smoky mesquite fires. Facing me were two of the largest fire pits that I'd ever seen, side by side, behind glass and two humongous hoods. They were facing the door midway inside the large 5,000-square-foot building. The massive fire pits were manned by two brave souls, sweating and flipping dozens of fish on their grills. When the order was up, they would hit the brass bells with their spatulas. Every so often, they would bang the hood. I later found out that they did this when a pretty girl walked by, so that all of the male staff at Enterprise Fish Company would turn and admire her beauty. Hardwood floors ran the length of the building, and the nets and the glass buoys hung from the rafters. The restaurant looked like a ship's deck. It also smelled like a ship's deck. (laughs) Chalkboards taller and wider than me hung from the various raised platforms or decks of the restaurant, boasting of the night's fresh catch specialties. The chalkboards hung from ropes as thick as my wrists strung through pulleys high above the patrons there was no way I would ever stand under one of those every seat was full there must have been 500 people in the building all crammed in and loving that they were there that they were a part of it this scene there were attractive servers and short shorts short aprons and tight polo shirts running between the tables. They were carrying steamers piled high, trailed by wafts of garlic and wine. Oyster platters, shucked oysters on crushed ice and garnished with lemons, shaved shallots, and minier sauce, cold beers, icy martinis, grilled fish, straight from the sea. I hung out at the bar and I watched Joey work this room. This room full of gluttony, happiness, and organized chaos. I wanted in. You give me my- Welcome to the EFC Chronicles, The Employee Files. On this two-part episode, I'm speaking to the staff from the Santa Barbara and the Santa Monica restaurants that were there from the years of 2000 to 2019, when, sadly, the Enterprise Fish Company finally closed its doors for good. This is a love letter to the Enterprise Fish Company. Well... I made it in. I worked at the Enterprise Fish Company from 1992 until 2007. I started out as a busboy, then I became a lunch server, eventually a dinner server, an assistant manager for Soren Hansen, assistant general manager, and Greg Hamm, general manager and the partner in the business. In 2000, I had left USC after moving to LA in 1998. And I was working for Oscar-winning producer Alex Kitman Ho. He won an Oscar for Platoon and produced most of Oliver Stone's films, including Wall Street. I worked for him for three years at the same time waiting tables at the Enterprise Fish Company in Santa Monica. When all of Hollywood went on strike, I was suddenly out of a job in my chosen profession. Luckily, I was still waiting tables in Santa Monica and I could pay the bills. Then, I was offered a job to take the general manager position back in Santa Barbara. I recently broke up with a girlfriend that I was still living with, and that was uncomfortable. And I was trying to find a way to move out. Well, here was my chance. So I took that job back in Santa Barbara. Let's get started. It's Santa Barbara, September 11th,
2: 2001. Take two. Take two and two, one. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade
3: Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers, a huge explosion now, raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way!
1: Here's former assistant general manager in Santa Monica, Harmony Storms.
3: So my name is Harmony. I was Harmony Haynes then because I got married before I left uh, Enterprise Fish Company, which was the one in Santa Monica. I started there as a server in the fall, late summer, early fall of 20 of 2000. It was 2000. And I left about six weeks after my honeymoon, which was in 2003. was the big one, you know, and we got to kind of witness the before and after of the change in our society. I mean, it really was very surreal. I had to work on 9-11, but I remember that morning when it happened, a bunch of us, including Derek Hausen, who used to work there, we went hiking up Runyon Canyon to escape what we thought at the time was maybe a plane coming to L.A. There was some debate about that. And I remember calling into work, and that might have even been you, like, do I still need to work? you're like, yeah, you still need to work. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess at the time, I remember maybe they just closed the restaurant down, but yeah. And then I ended up going into work, and I remember that it was a very somber mood, and the TVs all had, the bar had the news on, talking about what was happening. And um, yeah, it was really... I feel like after the change of the century, there was this real high in the world, and i that's what I came into. There was just this, um, you know, it was the new millennium, and it was um, an exciting time, and there was just a lot going on, and the energy was good. And after 9-11, it was, you know, it was all just so strange. So to kind of experience the, the aftermath there, the before and aftermath. Well, being at Enterprise Fish Company and watching the news when they said we were going to go to war in 2003, early 2003, and which was right before my wedding. And Danner had already left, and she was a news anchor at some local Louisiana station, I remember. And she could not leave to come to my wedding because of that war and what she was going to have to do for work. So it was... Um, I'll never forgive her. No, she, but I was super bummed because I have not seen her since she left. But anyways, from Virginia and she is definitely a celebrity there. She's happily married with three kids and she just looks great and she's thriving. I remember, like Most people I know, a lot of people from that era have gone on to do really well, and others, you know, not so much.
1: I'll never forget that day. I was in Santa Barbara's store opening up the restaurant. The TV was on in the background. I looked up and I saw the planes going into the building and I fell into a bar stool, shocked. I sat there all day, slowly the regulars trickled in, all silent, some crying and searching for some sort of understanding. And I realized that a local bar such as ours was a place of comfort in times of need like this day. It was that day, for so many. By the time of 9-11, I had been named the Chief Operating Officer for both Santa Barbara and Santa Monica, Enterprise Fish Company, as well as Hurry Curry of Tokyo.
3: Or was it Bruce? Yeah, Bruce, Bruce the one General who manager? spilled coffee, the one who spilled coffee all over his brand new laptop and then went to the oh, bar and ended up Bruce. just-
1: Oh yeah. and Drinking the whole
3: day. Yeah, just was like, screw it, I'm just gonna drink all day. That was one of my first experiences there and I was like, wow. He would
1: pull me into the walk-in in the produce cooler. <laughs> And he'd have two beers, and he's like, "Here's one for you. Here's one, slam it!" <laughs> and he did this like every Saturday night with me, like two or three times. Oh my, my god! Boss, I'm like, okay, I'll t- I'll drink with you, but I mean, i have i kind of got a full so section,
0: funny. you know? I got yeah, no at the bar,
1: kidding. I got food up at the at the pit. I'd found some success in raising sales. Lessons that I had learned from my mentors, Soren Hansen and Greg Ham. When I interviewed Greg, I realized that my success at raising sales had been instilled and taught to me by Greg. Here's former GM, Santa Barbara, Greg Hamm.
4: Started at the fish company in 1983 as a cook. And then I worked as a cook and then moved into waiting and then moved into bartending and then kitchen manager and then general manager. I think I did a stint as bar manager and um, ended up buying a 10% partnership in the business. And uh, I was there all the way till 2004 uh, with a two year break for the Crosstown Freeway project and a two year break when I burned out and went to work for a general contractor for a couple of years. And then I came back uh, in more of an administrative role after that. But yeah, besides financial, restaurants are very social. I mean, it hits—it's it, your social life and your source of income. It's there's very—I mean, hospitality is like that, breaking records. um, Something about it, you know. Yeah. It, it uh, it's.
1: Um, you instilled it in me. It was a lot of fun. It's fun to do that. Yeah. It is. After hour after hour, it's fun, right? And you know, it's
4: fun to rally your team and go, "Hey, you know, last year on the Saturday of UCSB graduation." We did eighteen thousand in one day. I bet we can do twenty. <laughs> you know, so first thing you do is raise prices, and then <laughs> and then you go out there and uh, you know push the turn. I wanted to set records for profitability. I, I mean, you know, I remember one time I was talking to Soren about something. And he goes, "You know, all you care about is money." And I'm like, "I don't know it's a business. You know, we're not. They don't pay us because it's all fun and games. They pay us because it's hard work." Yeah. So. I liked breaking records, profitability records, uh, highest sales in a single day, highest sales in a month, highest sales in <laughs> a weekend. I, I liked breaking records. Um, something about it.
1: I asked Greg what he loved most about managing employees. So there's that side of you that's um, that can handle that stress that actually likes that a little, it thrives on it and and actually exceeds and excels at that level. And then there's this other side of Greg Ham that's, the the guy that believed in me and the guy that gave me three tables and went probably went and bought them from home Depot, you know, just to give me an opportunity and make, let me get, you know, follow that dream. And I did because of you, what, how do those two sides of you, do they conflict a lot? Or, I mean, what's that other side of you that's, where does that come from? That kindness that you want, you want to help your staff go through college and pay for college. And that makes you very proud now.
4: I mean, part of it is wanting to be liked. I mean, to help people is, you know, it's it's inherently good. Um, but it's also, you know, it's 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 nice to be recognized for that. I'll, um, but I think it's it's, you know, I I remember uh, one of the regional managers. From famous restaurants, uh, Garcia's of Scottsdale. He he was chewing on me one day. He was a tough guy, and he was like, "You know, if you if you don't do this, I'm going to get somebody who will." And I walked away from that, going, "I don't want to be that guy. I don't think you get results with threatening people's livelihood. I just don't." He didn't make me feel like I wanted to commit to him, so. You know, it, it's—I don't know—it's all those years of experience. It's like it, it doesn't all happen at once, man. It takes time. And uh, you know, I'm currently in the job. I'm—I'm I'm an accountant, but I have nine people working for me. And you know, there's folks that are um, very Type A and drivers, and there's folks that are Steady Eddie. And you know, I need there's them all. People I've managed all my life, and I know there's people that never want to manage. They don't, they don't feel comfortable making decisions. You know, the worker bees, you need them. Every business needs them. Everybody needs them. You need people that can produce and, and do the work. And they don't necessarily want to manage. Um, they don't want to manage people. They don't want the stress. They want to come in, do their eight hours and go. So, um, I think you need both, but. There's a I, I want to say there's a certain type a personality in management you know you've got to be able to make decisions and right or wrong make one you know I remember one of my one of my favorite things to do up at the host stand is say never quote more than 55 minutes because there's this mental block at an hour that people leave and if you come up you go 50 50 minutes regardless of how the hour and a half it's going to be. Um, And you just got to kind of recognize there's there's barriers out there that people will say, oh, if you tell me an hour, I'm just going to say maybe next time. But if you tell me 50 minutes, I got a chance.
1: He also reminisced about past employees and how it had been a goal of his to help put employees through school over his tenure as general manager.
4: And... you know, uh, I would look back. I've looked back, and over the years, and and we put a lot of people through college. We put a lot, and you know, I saw early on that with my candidate base for people that were going to work at the enterprise, that there was a lot of students, and I I needed to embrace it, and and I want to help kids get through college. I value education. I I went to school, and um. We put a lot of kids through college. We put a lot over the years, and just a great place to work. You're a coach, you know. You're trying to coach people to their um, to their full potential.
2: I still
1: think of the employees that I worked with, all of these years later. I especially like those employees who would defy me in private, who would question my choices. Those employees taught me the most, and they often helped me right the ship when I was off course. Thank you, Lindsay. She comes to my mind often. I was surprised to find that some of the managers remembered lessons that they had learned there too. Here's former Assistant General Manager, Santa Monica Randall C. Davis. Because
5: hospitality really doesn't start with you. It starts with the guests. And I learned that very early on in in, uh, this industry. Because, again, my dad has been doing it ever since he was about 19. And he's almost 80 now. So uh, if, if if it's not broke, you don't fix it. And one thing about hospitality is about human connection. And I always enjoy that, so, you know, that's just one of the things I enjoy. Hi, my name is Randall Cortland Davis. I was at EFC from the years of 2002 to 2005. And um, actually I learned a lot there. And I took some of that as uh, becoming a consultant uh, for restaurants, and right now I'm uh, consulting on a bakery. Um, I'm also, uh, initially was consulting on a, a, a vodka line, which now I'm an investor so uh still hospitality uh, and uh, i wrote a book so uh and the funny thing about my book is it's about human connection i I think as you said earlier everyone should probably work in the restaurant industry but i personally believe that if you work in the restaurant industry you can do practically anything it teaches you a lot of different skills Uh, and i've used all those skills to you know be the entrepreneur that i am now and to uh continue to help, uh, during COVID actually, and it's called A Peace, like the peace sign, A Peace of Me, a Black Man's Journey to Love and Commitment. And it's sort of a, a, a memoir of my life and my decisions, good and bad, in relationships, uh, uh, being a father, a single father who's raising three kids, uh, and just, you know, how I became the man I am based on the women that I've been, been, been with, as well as my parents and other you know people in my life who kind of shaped me so it's really about how you as a human being love yourself and others yeah i I was i was just going to say when you had you know made that aware that awareness of of how i set the move for the for the restaurant what i started doing after that is anytime i would come into the back door for example uh i i had an imaginary uh Whatever was on me at that moment, I would put that on that hook and walk into the restaurant, all right? And I do this. I do the opposite. When I leave the restaurant, I took whatever was on me and put it on that imagined hook so I would take it home, you know? We are setting the mood every time we walk into the, the, the restaurant. And because, again, because you made that a word to me, you know, I, I, I took really ownership of just making sure I uh, set the mood. And sometimes, you know, it was hard. I was probably in a pissy mood sometimes, but I generally try to be in a good mood because I know I set the the, the, the environment. And I was having a conversation with someone uh, last night, uh, one of my best friends from many years, and we were just talking about energy. And I told him the story of when I was working at uh, Fishco managing, and uh, I wasn't in a good mood. Um, And I was upstairs in the office, and Jeremiah had came in. And I I believe he felt the energy kind of low. And once he got to the office and saw me, his his response was like, oh, I got it. And I didn't know what that meant. But he explained to me that I walked through the restaurant and there was a a low energy. But now seeing you and obviously you're not in a good mood. (laughs) That's the reason why the energy is what it is. And when you explained to me that I am the reason why the energy is the way it's supposed to be when they come to the restaurant, that you need to be more, you know, uh, engaging and, and, and receptive of the fact that you are responsible for that energy. And from that point on, I realized that was an important moment for me, too, because I never knew that about myself, that I was the one to create the energy. And when she told me that, I, I was very you know, receptive of it. And I always made sure that I was in that mood. And most of the time, you're right. I was, I was in a positive mood. But sometimes I wasn't, but I was very cognizant of the fact that I need to make sure the energy is right, and it starts with me. It made me a better listener. Uh, and I say that because like I said earlier, you're you're managing people's personalities, their lives, and you can be that guy that just blah, 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 go do that. But Because, again, they were so young. And so, and I I don't know, because I was not so old, but I was older. I I really wanted to see everybody win. So in order to do that, I had to actually listen to what they're actually saying as opposed to what they think they're saying. Case in point, Ashley. Probably one of my favorites. Uh, There were some things that were happening in her life at the time. And I had to listen you know, actively to see what she really was looking for from me. And because of that, you know, her life changed actually for the better. But had I not been an active listener, I probably would have missed it all.
1: Lead hostess in Santa Monica, Mary Sestilli, puts it this way.
6: My name is Mary Stasili. I worked at Fishco as a hostess the whole time from 2006 to 2012, and now I'm in post production. I'm a producer um, on the editorial side. What know? It's mostly commercials and music videos. It's kind of the advertising uh, commercial section of Post, which is based in Santa Monica. Um, so yeah, I mean Taco Bell commercials, Ford. Um, random you know i mean yeah definitely commercials you would have seen on tv i would say certainly the ability to like deal with many different personalities you know as a hostess i was basically dealing with everybody in the restaurant as opposed to just the tables that you're you know that you're serving that night um And then on top of all those personalities and egos, there's the sort of personalities and egos of the different servers. You know who can take however many tables at once. You know who's going to freak out if you double seat them, that kind of thing. And that definitely is like a helpful skill that I have now to be able to negotiate different personalities and sort of foresee what people are going to be able to deal with. I never had an interest in serving. I really liked being a host, which was unique to them in general, because people that would come in and host would eventually move up into serving. And um, I liked it. I mean, it was also fun to just, you know, I basically had a position to just observe everyone all the time, every night.
1: Managing a restaurant is hard work. In five years, we raised sales from 2.2 million a year in Santa Barbara to 5.2 million. In Santa Monica, we raised sales in four years from 3.5 million to 7.4 million, and at Hurry Curry of Tokyo, we raised sales from 700k a year to 1.5 million. We went from maybe 150 staff in all restaurants to 350 employees plus and 24 full-time managers. You can't raise sales that much without going through some growing pains. But I have to thank all of the employees who worked with me those years. Never did I hear them complain for me driving them to be better every day, to hit and exceed their sales goals, to train and to improve. Never. They, and we, all worked side by side as hard as we could, and we really created something together. It was a bond that many of us still remember.
4: You know, you took the $2.5 million of sales I had at the Enterprise Fish Company, you took it to four and a half. And, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine, okay, five, okay. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's like, I remember a friend of mine who was a fellow accountant. He goes, you know, it's a lot easier to cut costs than it is to grow sales. And he was right. Cause me as an accountant, I was always looking for ways to, you know, keep the costs in line and, and try to drive sales. But, uh, I mean, you doubled them. I mean, that was just fantastic. And and I remember how you, uh, how I think you did it is that you gave people more choices. You expanded the menu and, you know, it just became, it had a lot of things on it and you were big on choices. And if you give people choices, they'll come.
0: Yeah. Could I get a cold beverage? I need some leverage. I sweaty outside A lemonade for the nice of a fight from the top to a VK. Got a bag got a drink, buck girls got the bait on the phone Yeah, I got some ice tea. If you like a taste of tea, then come along with me. Summertime is steaming, don't give me no bugs. Glass some ice and a dash up so from me, it's not teeny time. Yeah, yeah, feeling old, then bring your own beverage. It's made so it's cold, I like cold beverage, yeah.
1: No, actually, Greg, I prefer small menus. I think I shrunk the menu, if anything. Here's how we did it we had no money in the beginning, absolutely no money. We were in the red when I got handed the keys. (laughs) So, what I did was I painted everything in the building with a fresh coat of paint. I fixed up the women's room. The men didn't care. Left that the way it was. I added taffy to the front door and flowers. I changed out plates and glassware and I actually narrowed the menu. I brought back the happy hour that had won awards for best happy hour in town for 20 years in a row. I put the managers in ties and nice suits and let the women and men pick out cool uniforms that they felt good to wear and to work in. I changed the lighting and the music and we flipped the tourist trap model to a model of locals are king. We got to know our guests, needs and wants and our employees as well. I encourage employees to buy books on any type of business that they were interested in or anything that they were interested in in that matter of, and bring it back to work. I would buy the books for them. I bought a lot of books. I would give away my comps to the managers, the bartenders and servers, and I encourage them to try other restaurants. On their days off, I'd give them 50 bucks, 100 bucks and ask them for a receipt. but go out and find a new idea. I would not allow managers to work more than 50 hours a week. And typically in the restaurant business, it's a 70, 80 hour work week. That does no good for anybody. It just wears people out. I wanted them fresh. I wanted them excited to be there. And I encouraged them to sit at the bar after work. As long as the guest wasn't waiting for a seat. Now that's a no-no in the restaurant business. But I went against the grain there. Here's my reasoning. Each one of these employees would bring in two to three friends after 9 p.m. before they'd go it out, go downtown. And that's typically when sales have slowed in other restaurants. Our sales tripled in that time period. They had to be out of uniform and they had to be behaved. And not once in all those years did I ever have to ban an employee from sitting at the
6: bar. I knew anybody else was thinking this way about Fishco other than me. <laughs> I would have said, like, if you had said, what's unique about Fishco? I would have been like, well, it was the people that I worked with that made it unique. I wouldn't have necessarily thought there was anything about the place itself or the location itself. I would have thought that it was the people. But obviously, the people have shifted in every decade and everybody's had a different experience. So there's clearly something about the place itself, about maybe it is the culture... Maybe it goes all back to Mike and Randy and just sort of the culture they created of not it not just being a place to work. Like I, there are other places that you could work, and that I've known people that have worked at corp, you know more corporate places where, like for instance, you're never allowed to sit at the bar, whether you're there outside of work or not. You are just not allowed to hang at the bar and have fun at that place. And Fishco is the opposite of that. I don't ever remember a night or anybody else even around me feeling like. Oh my god, I gotta clock out and get out of this place and go home and shower. It was more like I can't wait to clock out.
1: I also added add-ons. For instance, Caesar salad for a buck, you could upgrade your salad, or a lobster bisque from a clam chowder to 250. Nearly every single person upgraded very happily, and we raised sales from 5.5 million to 13.5 million in four years. Here's Randall C. Davis.
5: I, I would say that I, what I did also learn about running a business and helping me with my consultant. It was uh, our meetings every Thursday. Those are. I, I before that I, I had never really had an experience where we talked about P and Ls like that, and what it goes into to running a business. So for me, that was education. You know that y'all were paying me for. So uh, that's something I definitely. Uh, Appreciate it and you can a lot of value.
1: Here's Michael Butler, General Manager, Santa Monica.
2: You know, I was—I've uh, done a little bit of everything. I always tell people what my story is, and you know, I—I I went to college, and after that, I built houses. Um, I knew how to do that from my my dad and my uncle. And then uh, after a few years of working in the rain in Portland, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I went to law school, and then uh, after law school, got out. You know, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to move to California, live in a big city, and see what that's all about. And the moment that I walked through that door and met all those people and just kept being pushed forward, I realized I was really good at this. And, you know, there, there's nothing like finding your niche. I think that's just a gift that unfortunately a lot of people don't get. So I was really happy to find that, um, that place. And I don't think it would have happened at a lot of other places. It's a combination of, you know, the, the culture itself that you built there. I wanted to be part of that. And, uh, you know, I look back now, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking on, you know, over 20 years in this business now. Um, and I started there. So it was really, you know, that that was the best part of it. And that's how to finish that sentence was, you know, if I put 20 years into a career, I never guessed I would have had because of Enterprise Fish Company. And so I put my suit on and I went back in through the doors and you were having a meeting up on the, a little elevated part up at tables 15 to 17, I believe they were. Yeah oh yeah and I, uh, I still remember those to this day and Erin came down with a smile on her face she was the general manager at the time she said what are you doing i said i want to come back and she goes when can you start and so i said i'll, I'll start tomorrow i said i don't have a job right now <laughs> <laughs> so uh i had started um the next day and went in and she asked she sat down with me and she said can you manage the floor a couple nights a week and serve a couple nights a week i said sure So I ended up uh, doing that for a couple of months, maybe six months, and uh, moved into more and more roles, got upstairs in the offices a little bit. And then after Aaron left, you approached me and I was getting ready to take the bar exam again, I think about a month later. And you said, we want you to be the general manager. And I said, I'm going to be a lawyer and you told me all about it. I said, what was it entail? And you gave me all this, this stuff. You said, I'll train you for you know three months straight, sit down for six hours a day, all this stuff. I said, well, I need time to think about this. And you said, and I still remember this, you have four days. And I said, okay. And so I called up all my friends who were practicing law and they said, do it, this sucks. And I said, all right, cause I, I love the I love the hospitality industry. It just, it suited me. You know, I had 90 minutes to make people smile instead of years to, to see the worst of people. So I went from going to be a lawyer to running a, a major restaurant in Southern California. And if you would have told me that five years prior, I never would have put money A little over seven, but the best part of it was that we brought 20% to the bottom line. Yeah. So we, made, we cleared over a million dollars at that place, um, which is not an easy thing to do in California, especially. Uh, but yeah, we, we took it from, from being, I mean, it was a great place. It was, it, the business model was wonderful. It was set up very well. And there was just a lot of places where, you know, and, and I learned from you, to be honest, Jeremiah, how to push revenue. But I was also very good at, at keeping my costs in line. So while we were pushing our revenue up, we were also dropping our costs. So it it did nothing but just cash checks. But we had, you know, DJs and fire pits with dance parties going on on the patio, 20 feet away from celebrities having cocktails in the bar, 20 feet away from a family of eight having, you know, their lobster dinners for their, their, you know, birthday party. And it all worked together and it was always busy and it was always fun, no matter what part of that demographic you were at, you were having the best time there. It just really worked on all levels. And that's something that I don't know if, if something like that's possible anymore. Um, because A, it was just so massive. It was a huge property. When you look at it now, you know, 10, that was-
1: 1,000 square feet.
2: Yeah, it was giant. And I mean, the kitchen was bigger than most restaurants now that you would go to. You know, when I see, you know, that was back when I was in my 30s and I would never have the energy to do that.
4: One of the things that was, I wanted to try to instill in my managers is that In order to make a bonus you don't just go about your routine and then pull the slot machine handle at the end of the month and hopes it pays it's really every table every hour every shift you have to manage them and get maximum turn and get food coming out fast and and really be an expediter of your turn because the more people you get in the door and you know you got windows you know you've got 12 to 2 and you've got six to nine and that's when you make your money and uh you need to drive those uh sales during those peak periods and uh i was always trying to um uh just drive my managers, saying you know just try to maximize every opportunity because at 9 30 there's not going to be that many people in the building but at 7.30, you've got to get as many through as you can, so.
0: I am still dreaming of your face.
1: This has been part one of a love letter to Enterprise Fish Company. I'm calling it the Employee Files. 1977 to 2019, 43 years, Enterprise Fish Company was open. The part one... And part two that you are listening to right now is Santa Barbara and Santa Monica Stores, employees that worked there between 2000 and 2019. So we come down to our last decade. The the restaurant's winding down, all in part two. And let me tell you who you can expect who's coming up. We've got Harmony Storms, Greg Ham, Randall C. Davis, Mary Staceli, Nika Winnick, Jennifer, Gen. G. Hammonds, Michael Butler. See you on the next episode. Hi, this
2: is comedian Mods Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah
0: Show. This is it, man? Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify, The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all listeners we appreciate you and want to hear from you please send us your ideas at jeremiah at the jeremiah show.com or on messenger on facebook or instagram the jeremiah show is produced by executive producer jeremiah higgins and me your announcer tony kelly communicate listen more and evolve
7: my name's Danny Dreho. Jeremiah, your loved Holmes.
1: You're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool.